In 2009, Puda Coal was a successful company with a little over $5 million in annual profit. But the company was about to expand in a major way. The Chinese government had chosen Puda's subsidiary, Shanxi Coal, to act as a consolidator of small coal mines throughout the Shanxi province of China. To finance the expansion, Puda raised over $100 million from U.S. investors. But suddenly there was a problem. Did Puda actually own Shanxi Coal? Someone claimed Puda's board chair had secretly transferred the subsidiary to himself. Had Puda's subsidiary literally been stolen? There was a forged letter and a bogus offer to repurchase shares. But in the end, investors learned the ugly truth. They had given millions to a worthless shell company. Where was Puda's auditor? And how could the investment banks who handled the securities offerings admit this? Or did they miss it? I'm Michael McLaughlin, and this is Scheme. Let's do this. Puda Coal started out as Pereza Group, a Florida company that had nothing to do with coal. Pereza was incorporated in 2001 to market a product called Foslock, which had been developed by a government research team in Australia. Australia has given us some pretty cool inventions over the years, including black box flight recorders and boxed wine. Foslock isn't as famous, but it sounds like a helpful product. You spread it on the surface of a pond, lake, or other water source, and then it absorbs nutrients as it settles to the bottom, removing phosphorus and improving water quality. For some reason, Pereza got out of the Foslock business in April 2004 when it transferred all the company's assets to shareholders. Pereza's SEC filing said, quote, We no longer have any meaningful business assets, operations, or sources of revenue. Pereza was now just a shell corporation, with no direction or purpose. It was like an accountant without a spreadsheet. But that all changed when Pereza acquired 90% of Shanxi Coal. Having entered the coal business, Pereza changed its name to Puda Coal. That's a lot of information, so I want to be clear. You've got this holding company, Puda Coal, that owns a single revenue-generating asset, its investment in Shanxi Coal. So Puda Coal is the parent? and Shanxi Coal is the subsidiary. Now, Shanxi Coal is a Chinese company that was established on June 7, 1995 in the Shanxi province of China. Shanxi was in the business of washing coal. And yes, that's actually a thing. If you don't believe me, just stick some coal in your dishwasher tonight. I'm just kidding. Please don't do that unless you plan to post the video online. Now, the coal washing process removes impurities, reduces ash content, and decreases CO2 and sulfur dioxide emissions. This was important, as the growth of China's economy had led to a huge increase in the demand for coal. China's coal mines were churning out tons of raw coal to meet the demand, but they lacked the facilities to wash the coal. This is where Shanxi Coal came in. Shanxi would purchase raw coal from the coal mines and then wash the coal using a proprietary jig washing process. I watched a YouTube video on jig washing coal and it was really interesting, although it was weird that the video had an uplifting, motivational soundtrack. I guess some people find coal washing to be inspiring. Now, Shanxi owned three coal washing plants, and it was located in the best part of China for a specific type of coal, coking coal. Coking coal was important to China's development because it's used to make coke. And no, by Coke, I don't mean Coca-Cola, and I don't mean the type of Coke that gets rock stars and Canadian politicians into trouble. I mean the Coke used to make steel. China needed steel to construct things like commercial buildings and bridges. Shanxi coal thus played a valuable role in China's expansion. 
It would clean coking coal and then sell it to coke producers or to steel mills that had their own coking facilities. So Shanxi Coal had a nice little coal washing business, but it was about to catch a major break. On September 28, 2009, the Chinese government issued a mandate. Small coal mining companies had to merge with larger firms, and Shanxi Coal was chosen to act as a consolidator. In short, the government had given Shanxi Coal the green light to take over its suppliers. The only catch was that Shanxi needed money to buy up all those coal mines. Now everyone knows there's only three places to go when you need money fast. Casinos, pawn shops, and investment banks. Puda, the owner of Shanxi Coal, hired investment banks to do two securities offerings. Puda raised $14.5 million from U.S. investors on February 18, 2010, and another $101.5 million on December 16. Each securities offering was underwritten by two investment banks, and Puda's auditor, Moore Stevens, issued comfort letters saying there was no misleading information in Puda's prospectus. Thus, if you're one of the investors giving money to Puda, you're feeling pretty good. Multiple investment banks performed due diligence on the stock issuances, and Puda's auditor didn't raise any red flags. But something big had been concealed from the securities offerings. The chair of Puda's board had transferred ownership of Shanxi Coal into his own name. The securities offerings had said Puda owned 90% of Shanxi Coal, but in reality, Puda owned nothing. Ming Zhao, Puda's board chair, had stolen Puda's only revenue-producing asset. If you're like me, you're probably thinking, how is that even possible? I mean, who steals a company? But Ming Zhao had a lot of power. He was not only the chair of Puda's board, but also the largest shareholder. And Zhao had an ace in the hole. He was one of the original co-founders of Shanxi Coal, so he held the company's chop. In China, a chop is a company's official seal or stamp. It's like a signature. Because Zhao had the chop, he could sign documents in the company's name and transfer assets to himself. But even with all this power, it still might have been possible for Puda's CEO, Liping Zhu, to stop Ming Zhao from stealing Shanxi coal from Puda. However, Liping Zhu did nothing. Why? I don't know. Maybe Zhao convinced Zhu to look the other way by giving him millions of dollars, a nice bottle of wine, or by sharing his Netflix password. But on September 3, 2009, just weeks before Puda would announce it had received a mandate to consolidate smaller firms, Ming Zhao signed Shanxi Coal over to himself. Then on July 14, 2010, Zhao turned around and sold a 49% interest in Shanxi Coal to Citic Trust, China's largest state-owned financial firm. Citic then placed the shares in a trust and sold interest in the trust to Chinese investors. But here's the thing. The craziest part of this story isn't that Zhao stole a company. It's that after Zhao stole Shanxi Coal and left Puda as an empty shell, Zhao had Puda raise money from U.S. investors not once, but twice. Those securities offerings I mentioned before took place after Zhao had looted Puda. Zhao had told investors their money would be used to finance Shanxi Coal's expansion, and they believed him. They had no idea he had already stolen Puda's only asset. Ming Zhao is like a thief who steals everything in your house and then asks you to give him money for a business idea. So who blew the whistle on this mess? Well, it wasn't Puda's auditor, and it wasn't the investment banks who handled the securities offerings. We'll come back to that later. It was Dan David, a 43-year-old money manager from Pennsylvania. David learned Zhao had stolen Shanxi Coal by looking at publicly available government documents filed with China's state administration for industry and commerce. 
This information was available months before Puda raised money from U.S. investors. The documents were in Chinese, but they clearly stated that Zhao owned Shanxi Coal. David said it cost him just $500 to acquire these documents, and on April 8, 2011, he posted the findings on his website, GeoInvesting. A similar analysis was posted on the website alfredlittle.com. The cat was out of the bag. In July, Puda's auditor resigned and said its previous audits couldn't be relied upon. Do you think? The house of cards was falling apart. But Ming Zhao wasn't just going to roll over. He denied stealing Shanxi coal and then selling shares to Siddick. On August 31, 2011, Zhao produced a letter from Siddick's board chair that said Siddick owned no interest in either Shanxi coal or Puda coal. Zhao also said he was thinking of taking Puda private for $12 a share. But Siddick said Zhao's letter was a forgery. Siddick did own shares of Shanxi Coal, and it had been raising money from investors to expand Shanxi Coal at the same time that Puda was raising money from investors. Thus, two different groups of investors were putting up capital to expand Shanxi Coal, but only one group actually owned Shanxi Coal. Puda's investors have been tricked into forking over $116 million for nothing. It's like paying $200,000 for your kid to go to college only to find out they majored in anthropology. Puda's stock price collapsed. Between December of 2010 and February of 2012, nearly $500 million of market cap disappeared. So who got punished for all this? Well, the SEC filed charges against Ming Zhao and Puda's CEO, Liping Zhu. And in 2015, a U.S. district court ordered them to pay more than $250 million. But Zhao and Zhu were long gone. They're in China, and I don't think they'd be eager to come back to the U.S. to face fraud charges. Unfortunately, that means they'll never get to see the Grand Canyon. And since I couldn't find any evidence that Zhao had been charged with a crime in China, it looks like he got away with this. He's like the D.B. Cooper of stealing companies. Puda's auditor, Moore Stevens, also got off the hook. Investors sued, but the Second Circuit Court of Appeals said Moore Stevens wasn't liable because it hadn't been negligent in performing the audit. But this isn't the end of the story. The SEC also went after Macquarie, the investment bank that had served as the lead underwriter on Puda's second securities offering. You see, Macquarie had hired a firm called Kroll Associates to conduct due diligence before Puda's stock issuance. After hiring a subcontractor in China, Kroll discovered that Ming Zhao had transferred Shanxi Coal to himself. According to the SEC, Kroll shared this information with Macquarie in a report. The Kroll report showed in three different places that Puda didn't own any of Shanxi Coal. The SEC said Macquarie received this report six days before the securities offering, but went ahead and raised money from investors anyway. Macquarie was getting paid over $4 million to underwrite the offering, so there was a strong incentive for the deal to go through without a hitch. One of Macquarie's employees, William Fang, allegedly forwarded the Kroll report to his colleagues just 29 minutes after receiving it and said, quote, No red flags were identified. No red flags? Puda was an empty shell. It had as much value as an ashtray on a bicycle. The SEC said Fang failed to exercise care and due diligence, and he settled for $35,000, neither admitting nor denying the allegations. Macquarie also settled with the SEC by agreeing to pay $15 million. But we're still not done, because Macquarie turned around and sued the law firm it used on the PUDA deal for, quote, egregious negligence. Macquarie said Morrison and Forster received the Kroll report but didn't say anything. Morrison and Forster replied by saying they weren't asked for legal advice about the report. Thus, 
everyone tried to deflect blame. But the fact is, multiple people had a report showing that Puda didn't own Shanxi Coal, and no one acted on it. So investors paid over $100 million for nothing. So what can we learn from all this? Well, you could view this as a cautionary tale about investing in Chinese stocks. But what I'm really bothered by is this. How was Puda able to raise over $100 million after it had been looted? You could say investors were naive, but what about Puda's auditor? Or the investment banks that handled the securities offerings? Or the law firms who assisted the banks? You could say they were all tricked by the master con artist Ming Zhao, but were they? Macquarie hired Kroll to perform due diligence, and Kroll found that Zhao owned Shanxi Coal. But no one acted on this information. Why? Were they simply careless, not bothering to read Kroll's report? Or was this more about greed, with people turning a blind eye to the situation because they were making so much money in fees? I guess we'll never know. I'm Michael McLaughlin, and you've been listening to Scheme.